Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> they should love Dylan. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting down uh, this morning, make it a little bit more casual, a little bit more intimate. And plus, when you have an hour and a half sermon, you know, it gets a long time to... I'm just making sure you're all paying attention. Okay, so it's not an hour and a half. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. No, so, um, but um, I, I love my mom. Um, she grew up in an era where I, I think she believed that everyone in her family had to know and play an instrument. And so, um, you know, we had a spinet piano in our house. And so bottom line is everybody had to get piano lessons. So um, she signed me up when I was nine or 10 years old. She signed me up for piano lessons and I was kind of excited. Um, uh, I, uh, she signed it up with a piano teacher. Her name was Mrs. Robbins and her daughter, uh, Denise, was in my elementary school class. So I kind of had that connection. So I was kind of pumped and so started piano lessons. But then as piano lessons go, um, you got to practice. Um, you got to go to recitals. You got to do scales. Um, and it just started becoming a chore. And, um, and then, to be honest with you, we had a pool in our backyard. In, I lived in Southern California, so now I'm playing piano, trying to practice, and I got a pool in the backyard. And I got friends, they're always knocking on the door uh, when you're pr- trying to practice, so there's lots of distractions. And to be honest with you, one thing led to another, and after a while, I, I just gave up, I quit. And I, I think for a lot of us, I think um, that's what prayer has become. You know, it oftentimes feels more like a chair, a chore than something that we're excited about. So the Gospel of Matthew records um, Jesus praying 11 times. And clearly we know that, that Jesus prayed a lot. He didn't just pray, you know, those 11 times. He prayed daily. He was in connection with his Father. And I think at, there's a certain point in time when, it, when it, one of the disciples finally said, you know, he's got a great connection with his father. He's praying all the time. And finally said, Lord, teach us to pray. He wanted, they wanted to know, teach us to pray like you pray. And so Jesus provided a model for us, to, for all believers, uh, and which is what we know as the Lord's Prayer. So this morning, uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to go through the Lord's Prayer and maybe help us to get joy back into our prayer life. Um, now, just to be transparent, I don't want to sit up here and go, wow, my prayer life is awesome, and let me teach you about how to pray. It's probably been one of the biggest struggles in my Christian walk. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I was talking with Ryan, we were, him and I were having lunch, and at the end of lunch, he said, hey, Brian, how, how can I be praying for you? And I said, really? I said, just pray for my prayer life. It's just something I continue to struggle in. It doesn't mean that I don't pray. I pray often, but it was just something that it just continues to be a struggle. And so um, let's go on that journey together this morning. Does that sound good? Um, so one thing I wanted to, uh, so we're going to, I'm going to pray, and then together we're going to go ahead and, and say the Lord's Prayer together out loud together. Is that okay? Okay, so let's pray. Lord, we... Um, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this gathering um, that we can come together, Lord, that we can worship you for the God that you are. And Lord, that we can hear from your word um, how to know you more, how to love you more, and how to love others more. We thank you for this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So there we go. Um, so let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, you can say it right away, okay? Hallowed be your name, 
your kingdom come, your, your um, uh, say, on earth as it is in heaven, daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have uh, forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, in verse 9, it says, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And I think he meant it. I don't think he was saying, this is a suggestion. He said, I think this is how you you should pray. Now, before we kind of start into it, I think one thing I just kind of want to point out in the Lord's Prayer is that in verses 9 and 10, it's, it's, that part of it is with regards to recognition about who God is. The other part of the verses from um, 11 through 13 is with regards to um, asking, petition, and intercession for others. So just to start, it says, Our Father in heaven. Now, I, just on a personal level, um, I didn't have a good father. I didn't have a good role model. And maybe you're like me. Uh, when you have, if you had a poor father figure in your own life, you're thinking it's, it's difficult to go ahead and think of a good father. But our, father, our, our Heavenly Father loves us unconditionally. He takes joy in who we are. He pursues us. He wants to spend time with us. He knows and wants to meet our needs. And we know that that God loved us so much that he gave his only son up for us. But that's not a one-time event. He continues to love on us. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can now come before him as a dad, Abba, Abba Father, and as a friend. The next part is, hallowed be your name. Now, the word hallowed is not a word that we use a whole lot anymore, unless you're thinking about like Halloween, right? Um, but hallowed means holy, sanctified. He is the one and only God. He is the creator of all and the giver of life. Psalm 95, 3-5 says, For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Psalm 100, verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So when we pray, we're recognizing God as our Father, whom we can give and have an intimate relationship, but also the God who can be honored and revered as the one and all. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we think of your kingdom uh, come, we may be thinking, I can't wait for God's kingdom to come. Then everything will be perfect on earth. And, and that's true. But the word come in Greek actually has two, two tenses. Um, one means it came, it's here and now, and the other one is to come. So when Jesus started his ministry on earth, what did he say? What was the one of the first things he said? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom is in, who, is in us. It's who um, has accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. The kingdom is here and now. But in the heavenly kingdom, God's will is done all the time. 
but here on earth is only done some of the time. So when we're praying for God's will to be done all the time on earth as it is in heaven. So to be honest, sometimes the biggest um, issue regarding will is ourselves. Will is a powerful thing. Our will controls our resources, how we spend our time, what we watch, how we work, how we treat others, our decisions for the day and for the future. Man's will has saved the lost, built hospitals, cared for the homeless, fought for the weak and the downtrodden. But man's will has also started wars and done unimaginable things to human beings and to the world itself. And it's why we need to pray daily, not for our own will, but for God's will and to glorify him in all that we do. Give us this day our daily bread. In the U.S., I don't think there's a lot of people who are worrying about where their next meal is coming from. Clearly, when Jesus was on earth, he was ministering to the poor who may not know where their next meal is coming from or how to feed their family. But although we may not be concerned about where our next meal is coming from, we still have a lot of needs, whether those are physical, emotional, spiritual, or even financial. God wants us to ask with shameless audacity. Those aren't Brian's words. Those are the, what the Bible tells us. That's what Jesus said. In Luke 11, 5 through 11, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. And a friend of mine on a journey has come to me. I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be answered. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of your fathers... If, you, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? By the way, my, my kids never ask me for an egg. I don't know where that comes from, but I don't know why. But that's a, it's, he's got a good sense of humor, I guess. If you, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Sometimes when we pray... We pray the one time, then we pray a few more times, but sometimes after a few days and weeks, we give up. Maybe we think God doesn't care about my prayer. Maybe he's, it's not his will. Maybe it's not the right time. Or maybe we just think maybe I'm not a good enough Christian for God to answer my prayer. But God, but God calls us to pray with shameless audacity to keep asking, to keep knocking, to keep asking him for the answer to those prayers. When I first became a Christian and I started dating Sherry, um, her parents every year would go back to New York where they moved from. And they had lived in Arizona for about 20 years. And when 
Um, her parents came back, it was Russ and Joe. When Russ and Joe would come back, her father would, would come back with saying, hey, you know, my friend Fred just accepted Christ. Praise God, I have been praying for him for 20 years. Now, I was like 21 years old, and for someone to tell me they'd been praying for somebody for 20 years blew my mind. I, can't, I couldn't imagine someone to pray for somebody for that long a time. And it changed my whole mindset in terms of how to pray for someone. And from that point on, my, my, my family were not Christians. Um, so I started praying for my mom. And within about a year or two, my mom became a Christian and accepted Christ as her Savior. <sighs> Sorry. Fifteen years later, my sister came to know the Lord. The next year, my brother-in-law came to know the Lord. Several years after that, my nephew came to know the Lord. And we're still praying for my other nephew, and I'm still praying for my family. But we never stopped praying for my family, and it's just so awesome to see to come to know the Lord. And we just need to continue to pray and to knock over and over. And I think of Daniel, when Israel was exiled to Babylon, Daniel prayed, it said in the Bible, three times a day for 70 years before, Babylon, or before Israel was delivered and back to um, Jerusalem. He prayed for 70 years. And, you know, we need to continue praying with that shameless audacity. Now, I don't know about you, but I've often struggled why we have to uh, ask over and over for the same prayer. I don't know about you, but that, that's, that's always been a struggle for me. But I think, you know, if the, if the prayers were answered immediately, it would be a bit like swiping a credit card. And their prayers were turned into something more mechanical versus a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our God wants and desires to have a relationship with Him. He knows our mess. He knows our struggles. And He's going to give us the strength, the peace, and the patience to endure through these really difficult times. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. One of the clear signs of a follower of Christ is they desire and have the ability to forgive others who may have wronged them. We forgive because God forgave us. One of my favorite verses is Colossians 3, 12 through 15, and it says, Since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for one another's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. You must also forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Now, I know that for some, forgiveness can be difficult. You may have been hurt in ways that the wounds are deep, and forgiveness may seem impossible. I was talking with a good friend that had a very difficult childhood due to just a really a tyrant father. And as we were talking about his father, he said, I don't think I can ever forgive my father. And I spoke to him about Christian forgiveness um, and the importance of forgiving his father and really the benefits of forgiving his father and the benefits for himself. But he stood fast and he said, I just don't think I can ever forgive my father. As we talked more, I realized that his definition of forgiveness 
was not the, the, not the biblical definition. He believed that to forgive his father, he had to overlook the hurt and the pain that he suffered and was caused by his father, and maybe even somehow had to reconcile with his father. But that's not biblical forgiveness. And I found this, this um, definition, which I really like. Hopefully it's up there. There we go. Thank you. So biblical forgiveness is defined as the process of forgiving and letting go of the sin done to you. Forgiveness includes forgiving everyone, every time, of everything, as an act of obedience and gratefulness to God. It acknowledges the sacrifice God made through his son, Jesus Christ, who died to restore the relationship between God and man. Now, this is the important part. Forgiveness does not mean excusing, forgetting, permitting repetition of the sinful act against you or guaranteeing reconciliation with the offender. That's really important. Now, I can remember a time in my own life, and it's, it's been about 30 years ago, I, I was really hurt by some actions some people took against me. And I was a Christian. I, I forgave them. But I'm just telling you right now, it was a process. It was not a single-time event. It literally took, I, I, I think it took like 10 years for me to just to continually give that over to the Lord. Didn't mean that I didn't forgive them, but it just to fully to the point where I said, I'm done, I'm released. It took a while. It was a process. We are called to forgive as God has forgiven us, but we don't need to excuse the sin or put us into a situation that we have that, uh, had to have the sin repeated. And, and then, although reconciliation is a really good thing, Reconciliation is a process, and it requires both parties to walk through and can be very challenging. So today I'm not going to go through biblical reconciliation, but if that's something that you want help with, you know, let's touch base with either Pastor Ryan or myself, and we can help you walk through what a healthy reconciliation looks like. The next verse is, And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Each day, each of us are faced with a multitude of temptations. The media and the world continue to bombard us with a never-ending number of temptations. From food and gluttony to sexual lust, materialism, greed, to pride and idolatry. And what may tempt me, you may not be tempted with. Each of us have our own weaknesses, and unfortunately, the devil knows every single one of our weaknesses. James 1, 14 through 15 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give uh, birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Now, just to be clear, being tempted is not sin. You haven't been sinned. You, you didn't sin if you got tempted. But as Scripture tells us, temptation can give birth to sin. Now, we're all sinners, and we're saved by, by the glory uh, of God, but we all fall short of the glory of God and his standard. From a practical perspective, the, uh, when a Christian sins, there's, there's three basic things that happen. One is it hurts our relationship with God, and it's just like in a marriage. If, if I were to somehow offend my wife in something I said, which I've done, um, I, I need to apologize. I need to reconcile that situation and, and make it better, to, to heal that. And when we sin, we hurt that relationship with our Father. 
Secondly is, is that if, if I've done something to someone on the earth, if I've said words that, that have hurt or done actions against somebody, and typically, unfortunately, it's the people I love the most that I hurt the most, um, I have to reconcile that relationship as well. And I have to work through that. And lastly, maybe the hardest one, is sometimes um, sin can cause significant issues which can change the course of life. So just as an example, if, if I go home and I get drunk, that's a sin. But if I get into a car and I get into an accident, I could not only hurt myself, damage my car, but worse, I could actually hurt somebody else and potentially even kill somebody else in that. And that decision, because I got drunk and decided to take that next step, change would change the course of my life forever. And I think each of us can think of someone you know who, based on a temptation, took the next step and changed the course of their life forever. It's serious. It can be a really big issue. Therefore, we need to be praying daily and asking God's help to strengthen, to lead us away from temptation and sins. And that may be including asking brothers or sisters to help us through that temptation and struggles. Worship team, you can come up. Um, so today, um, uh, is the worship team in here? Yeah, okay, good. I'm just making sure. Um, I'm looking down, not up. So there, the takeaway for today is pretty simple. <clears throat> if you haven't already memorized the Lord's Prayer, I, I would really suggest you do it. It's an awesome prayer. It's a model. And then once you've memorized it, um, what I would say is, is own it. Make it your own prayer. Um, and, and I'm going to pray through that and kind of show you what that means. And then pray it daily. Um, I've heard of people just, you know, using it as a, a prayer model multiple times a day, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and just praying through that. So I'll, I'll close this in prayer, and then um, we're also going to go ahead and have communion and share communion together. Our Father, Abba Father, thank you for what you have done in our lives. Hallowed be thy name. You are the only one and creator of all sustainer of life and life giver. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, may your will be done in my life from the moment I wake up to the moment I put my head upon the pillow. Your will be done in all. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, help me to not sustain, to try to sustain my own life, but to lean upon you for my needs, for my spiritual needs, my emotional needs, my financial needs. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, there, we live in a tempting, an evil world. Lord, help me to go ahead and, and steer away from the temptations of life, to run as Joseph ran away from the sins and temptations of, of his life. But Lord, that we can lean upon you and be strengthened every day. We praise you, God, for who you are. We thank you for this model of prayer, Lord. And we, Lord, give us the strength to model it every day, to have joy in meeting with you every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to do communion together. Hopefully everybody's got their cup. 
Communion is a time to remember and reflect on what God has done for us through the death and resurrection of his son and the new covenant that as believers we have through our holy God. The bread represents Christ's body that he has given up freely for the remission of our sins and the wine represents his blood, which is the new covenant. So we're going to take the elements together. Got to get my little cup open here. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat this. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup. This is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you do it, as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen.